You're listening to the Midtown Church Sermon Podcast. Midtown Church is a family compelled by God's love to practice the way of Jesus together in Austin. Our big prayer is this, in Austin as it is in heaven. Learn more at midtownaustin.org. Good morning, my name is Thomas. Thanks for the warm and fun introduction, Austin. So indeed, I have many lovely memories in and around this building and this campus, and I'm very excited about what the Lord is doing with Red River, Midtown, the campus. It's a unique testimony of the way God works to have partnership, cooperation, sharing, um, I think it's incredibly unique and a great witness of God's love. It's also, I'm sure, incredibly challenging, especially at the beginning here. Uh, I've been part of a facility that shared spaces with other ministries, and we like to call it a laboratory for reconciliation. (laughs) There'll be plenty of opportunities. Fortunately, Jesus has shown us how to do it, so... But my prayer is that you would be able to walk humbly in these days, each partner considering the others more important than themselves, as Paul wrote in Philippians 2. All right, I have one more thing I would like to say before talking about fasting. My understanding is that the men of Midtown, which I think sounds like the title of a 50s movie, (laughs) are on retreat this weekend. So I want to speak directly to the women in the room, and this is what I want to say. When God created human beings in his image, God made them male and female. So that means the first statement about women in the entire Bible is that they are in the image of God, and that they are as equally in the image of God as men. Men are not presented as more in the image of God than women. In order to somehow represent a little picture, a little piece, the image of what God is like to the earth and the people of the earth, requires both men and women. So what I want to say is, if we don't have you, the women, we are missing part of God's image. We need you. Now, there's a lot more that could be said in this topic, which I would love to say, but I don't have time for. My intention is simply to honor you, the women in the room, with these words. So I hope that's what you feel. Okay, on to fasting. Woohoo! Everybody's favorite topic. Actually, I feel very inadequate to speak about fasting. My speaking this morning is primarily from the place of weakness. My wife, Amy, who's here this morning, swims in the deep waters of fasting with much more endurance than I have. And she's a better teacher than me. But here I am. Many is the time I have broken a fast early or failed in a fast and had to restart. Even my children are more faithful fasters than me, 
And they aren't shy about pointing this out when our family is fasting together. So I'm coming from a place of weakness, and hopefully the Lord will use that. You've already received good teaching on fasting. One year ago, on January 31st of last year, my longtime friend Justin Christopher gave an excellent teaching on the basics and the foundations of fasting. Now, I don't want to just repeat that teaching. Many of you were probably at Midtown for that teaching. Some of you from Red River, of course, didn't hear it. I don't want to repeat it kind of word for word, but I do think it's important to cover that ground and refresh perhaps our memory on what Justin said before moving on to a few other aspects about fasting. So I'm going to move pretty fast through those kind of the, the, the uh, teaching that Justin did. I encourage you to go back and listen to his teaching. If you go to the podcast page of the Midtown website and scroll down, you'll find it January 31st, 2021. Um, also, there will be a review sheet emailed out, I think, tomorrow that has a lot of scriptural references, so I'm not going to cover those for lack of time in some cases today, but you'll have those tomorrow, so you can look up and kind of make sure that what I'm saying is actually founded in scripture, which is a good thing. So Justin brought forward this last year, this definition of fasting. Fasting is abstaining from food for spiritual purposes. And this was from Richard Foster. Um, And I like this definition. It's very simple. Um, You'll notice it says food. Uh, I'll talk more about kind of non-food fasting in a little while. So why fast? Well, two very simple reasons. Number one, Jesus modeled it. The scripture talks about Jesus fasting. So, Jesus says at at one point in the Gospels, the servants are not greater than the masters. So, as servants, we should do what our master did. That's the process of spiritual formation. Do what the master did and become more and more like him. So, that's one reason. Jesus modeled it. Second, if that's not convincing to you, Jesus expected it. So, in Matthew 6, when he has the section about fasting in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, when you fast, da 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 Those three words are a clue. When you fast. He didn't say if you fast. He said when you fast. So there's an expectation that followers of Jesus will fast. In fact, there's very few things that Jesus really kind of commanded or, you know, in the Gospels. Uh, this is a clear expectation. When you pray, when you give alms, when you fast. All right, let's talk about a few different types of fasting. Uh, Individual fasting is when a person just does a fast on their own. Um, Another type of fast is corporate fasting, when a group of people, a family or a small group or a community or a church does it together. Um, Whole or partial fasting. So whole fasting, there's really kind of two aspects to that. The really intense whole fast is no food or water. Now, you have to be really careful with that from a medical perspective. No food, you can live without food for a long time, especially if you're drinking other things. Uh, Water is a different story, and I've done a no-water fast that was a little bit of an ill-advised, and by the second day, I was watching people drink from water fountains and watching the water dribble off their lips and thinking, they're wasting that water because my body craved it so much. So be careful with no food and no water. But I also think of just a water-only fast as essentially a whole fast. No food, no other drinks than water. Whole fast. 
partial fast, selected foods or drinks or a mix. Um, this is a great way to fast. This is normally the way I fast. Um, I'll give you an example. So we're going to be heading into Lent as a family and fasting during Lent. The fast I'll do is uh, I find it easier to say what I'm not going to eat than what I am. So no sugar, no alcohol, no meat, no dairy. So those four things, anything else is fine. For me, that's a really helpful way to fast. I do crave those things, so there's the spiritual aspect of it, but I also know what I can eat, and um, so that's, for me, a partial fast. All right, food or non-food. So most scriptural references to fasting are about food. Now, there's some interesting ones that talk about things other than food. Um, one is in Daniel 10, 3. It says, Daniel embarked on a 21-day fast and didn't use lotion. So that's a non-food aspect to his fast. Now, what did that mean? I, I take that to mean he didn't really bathe or do the things that are comfortable to him to make himself feel good physically. Obviously, this was also a fast that his friends embarked on if he didn't use lotion, <laughs> didn't clean himself. And so... Uh, and so that's an, as, uh, an uh, example of a non-food aspect to a fast. Now, I know there's encouragement from Midtown for this 21-day fast coming up um, to also do a sacrifice as well as fasting or to consider that possibility or instead of. All those things are possibilities. So sacrifice is the word that Justin kind of used to say um, uh, this is a, a fast, but it's not a fast involving food. It's a fast involving something else. Sacrifice, I like that word. All right, finally, in this kind of types of fasting, a one-time fast, regular fast, lifetime fast. So one-time fast is um, obviously, you know, you set aside three days and do a fast for three days. Regular is something that has a rhythm to it. It could be one meal a week or, you know, a day a week that you fast. Or it could be, you know, uh, like is done here at Midtown, every year, a 21-day fast. These are great. This rhythm of fasting is really good, and it's an important part of spiritual disciplines, which are an important part of spiritual formation. Um, and so regular fasting is a good thing. Uh, lifetime fast is where you choose for your lifetime. Obviously, you're not going to do a whole fast, or your lifetime would be a little bit shorter than it otherwise would be. So you're choosing a partial fast, um, for, for example, for your lifetime. So I believe uh, I have a scripture reference here, Luke 1.15, about John the Baptist. You know, there were things he didn't eat his whole life as he pursued the Lord. All right? So that's some types of fasting, purposes of fasting. So these are some, not all, but you can find them in scripture. One is intercession or breakthrough, fasting for breakthrough. So you're crying out to the Lord for something, some purpose for a child to come to the Lord, or for your city, breakthrough in your city, something like that. Um, that's an intercessory fast. And the fasting adds oomph to your prayer. Now, as Justin said, it doesn't, it's not like you're manipulating God. Oh, I'm not going to eat until you answer me, Lord. Well, he's going to respond really well to that. Uh, but you're saying, I'm serious about this. Lord, I'm coming before you. I'm willing to not eat or not drink in some way. Uh, I'm crying out to you to answer that prayer. So it's a, it's a way to add some intensity to your uh, intercession. Another is repentance. In sorrow, 
you remove the aspects of eating. You, you choose to not make yourself not comfortable in repentance for your sin. This is also seen in Scripture. Another is discernment. You want clarity on some issue you're seeking the Lord about, so you take some time, set aside a time of fasting, and pray for discernment. Now, all of these can be done together. They're not mutually exclusive. They can be done in various combinations. The last one is the one that, for me, is usually my motivation for fasting or my purpose, which is for intimacy with the Lord and longing for Jesus. Now, this comes out of uh, Luke um, 5, 33 through 35. So if you remember in that scriptural passage, I don't think I have a slide for it, but the, the Pharisees come up and ask uh, Jesus, why are your disciples not fasting when everyone else is? And his response is very interesting. He says, well, the guests and the friends of the bar- bridegroom don't fast when the bridegroom's here. That makes no sense. But I'll tell you, when he's gone, then they'll fast. So there's an aspect here that says, A, Jesus is the bridegroom. This is an intimate relationship with us. We're the bride, he's the bridegroom. So he's speaking in that language of romance, of intimacy. And he's saying, while we're together, let's feast. Let's, you know, we should feast. But when we're apart, then it's appropriate to fast. And so... So this type of fasting for me is very significant. I always think to myself when I'm fasting and I want something, like I want a hamburger or I want something else. I think, okay, I, do, I want that. I could eat it. But I want you more, Jesus. And so you kind of let that desire for the physical thing turn into desire for Jesus. And ultimately, of course, this bridegroom-type fast is for the second coming, for Jesus to return to the earth and for us to be face-to-face again and feast at the marriage supper of the Lamb. All right, that recaps some of what Justin said last year, and I want to move into kind of a few additional thoughts. And this is on the benefits and dangers of fasting. It can be helpful to kind of be aware of these things. Now, benefits, of course, we talked about purposes, so one of the benefits is the purpose. If you're interceding for somebody and you're fasting, and that prayer is answered, that's a benefit, right? Because your purpose for the fast is fulfilled. But there are benefits you get from fasting every fast, regardless of the purpose and regardless of whether you see it answered immediately. So These are good to know, and they're wonderful things. There are also dangers that are pretty typical to most fasts. And so you just want to be aware of those so that when they come along, you know how to deal with them. So benefit number one, humility. Psalm 35, 13 The psalmist says, I put on sackcloth and humbled myself with fasting. So the very act of fasting is, in the eyes of God, an act of humility. You're humbling yourself. But there's another aspect to this, for me at least. Because when I fast, I become aware that much of what I think of as my holiness is actually dependent on my well-being. So if you fast and you kind of get grumpy and short with people and snappy, that's your natural state. Eating and making yourself feel good with physical things then masks who you are. And that can be very humbling to realize I'm not really as nice as I think I am. And so humility is something that can come with fasting. And of course, that can turn into prayer. Lord, change me. I don't want to be a grumpy person. That's just one example. All right, the corresponding danger 
Humility is pride. So, pride. Matthew 6, Jesus talking about fasting. We talked a little bit about this before. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. So they have a motivation in their heart to appear holy before others and have them think well of them. So that's, that speaks to the aspect of pride. He says, when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face. Now, it's interesting because he says, put oil on your head. That's exactly what Daniel didn't do, right? He withdrew from lotion. So this shows you that there's different fasts and contexts. It's not a hard and fast rule. Always use oil on your head. No, Daniel didn't do it. But Jesus says, in general, the principle is, don't make yourself look miserable, but put oil on your head, wash your face, so it will not be obvious to others that you're fasting. But only, this is the key part, only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who is unseen will reward you. So the danger here of pride is that you'll miss out on your reward from the Father, which you don't want to miss. Okay, benefit number two, power. So with fasting comes spiritual power many times. In Mark, Jesus talks about a demon that the disciples couldn't cast out. He casts it out. And then they ask him, how did you do it? He said, well, this kind only comes out through prayer and fasting. So there's something about fasting that gives power for deliverance. So I want to encourage you, if you embark on this 21-day fast, look for opportunities to pray for others, for healing, for deliverance, and see the power of God break out in new ways. Now, the danger corresponding to that is vulnerability, spiritual vulnerability. The enemy hates fasting, and he'll do everything he can to disrupt and distract you. So just be prepared for doubts, for condemnation, for questions to arise, and be on your guard and know how to respond as Jesus did. How did Jesus respond? Well, in Matthew 4, it talks about Jesus fasting for 40 days in the wilderness, and it says, after fasting 40 days and 40 nights... He was hungry. That's a great understatement of Scripture, right? (laughs) And the tempter then came to him. So in that moment of hunger, the enemy saw a chance to come in and tempt him. Okay? That's going to happen to you too. How did he respond? He knew who God was. So when the enemy uh, spoke against God's character, Jesus said, no, no, it's not like that. And he spoke from the Word of God about who God was. So that's a good way to respond when the enemy comes to you while you're fasting. Okay, number three. Benefit number three, focus. Fasting frees up time. You'll be amazed if you do like a whole fast where you don't eat at all, how much time in the day is freed up because you spend so much time thinking about food, preparing food, and then eating food, and then cleaning up from your meal. There's a lot of time that you get back. There can also come in a fast, particularly like after the second or third day, a real clarity of mind that allows for easier study of Scripture and more easy entry into the place of prayer. So take advantage of these things when you're fasting. Take advantage of the gift of focus and press into the Lord. Now, the corresponding danger is distraction. So you have all this time. You want to spend it with the Lord, but all I'm thinking about is that cheeseburger. (laughs) I'm very distracted. Don't be discouraged. This is normal. Just endure. Press through that. Last through it. If one way to respond to that is to talk to God about the cheeseburger. My daughter Claire is here, and one time we were driving in the car, and she said, I'm thinking about the cookie that I had baked and was waiting for at home. She 
She said, I know I should be thinking about God, but I'm thinking about the cookie. <laughs> and my wife wisely responded, well, maybe you could think about God and the cookie. <laughs> so, all right. Number four, benefit, freedom. Hallelujah. There comes a time when you're fasting and you realize, I don't have to eat the cookie. I really don't. Now, our culture and our world tells us all the time that we should be responding to all the physical desires that we have and meeting them all. But we learn from the Lord we don't have to do that. We have freedom by the Spirit. And our, our sinful nature does not control us. Our flesh does not control us, um, especially as we mature. And so that moment of maturity, of re realizing I don't have to eat, is a real moment for me of freedom. Okay? The Bible teaches us that our belly shouldn't be our God, and we can, we can have freedom from that. The, the flip side of that, the, the danger is compulsion. So freedom is the freedom. Compulsion is you have to do something. Now, this is a little tricky, so give me a moment here to kind of explain this. I want to distinguish between the compulsion to fast, I feel compelled to fast, and the compulsion to eat in the middle of a fast. Oh, wow, I feel, really feel like I should eat. The compulsion to eat while fasting is normal, and that should be resisted typically. It's just one of those things that you press through in a fast. But the compulsion to fast must be weighed carefully. Fasting is always voluntary. This is very helpful to me. When I'm fasting and I really want something, I, it helps me to think, I'm completely free to eat this in the Lord. There's no condemnation for me if I break my fast and eat it. I'm free. But I'm also free to choose not to eat it. Fasting is always voluntary. If you feel compelled to fast, either by others press pressuring you, or by your concern or fear about what they'll think if you don't, that sort of thing, then please don't fast starting off with that motivation. You, you don't want to start off on the wrong foot for a fast. It can open you up to dangerous things. This is especially important for those of you who shouldn't, shouldn't fast from food for some reason, medical or psychological, something about your history. Justin last year said, and he asked me to repeat this this year, Remember that fasting is abstaining from food for a spiritual purpose. If you are unable to fast for a spiritual purpose, it's best not to fast. If a fast is stirring up unhealthy thoughts or emotions, it's best not to fast. And if that's the case and you'd like someone to talk to, I'm sure the pastors uh, would be happy to talk to you about it. All right, compulsions, danger. Benefit, last benefit. This is kind of a funny one. Disturbing others. Benefit? It's okay to disturb others when you fast. Spiritual disciplines like fasting are typically respected by non-Christians, atheists, agnostic, other religions, and will arouse curiosity. So, for example, I've attended business lunches where I was in a fast and I felt like the right thing to do was just tell them, hey, I'm fasting, so I'm not eating, but you know, I'm with them, I have a glass of water, whatever. Inevitably, somebody will say, well, why do you fast? That's a great question. Okay? So then that gives the opportunity to talk about that. So I've disturbed the group a little bit by bringing something that's different, that's from another, another kingdom, right? And then that brings discussion. So this is okay to disturb others. But you don't 
want to offend others. But disturbing others is a benefit. Offending others is a danger. For example, you're on a mission trip. You're fasting. You're invited over to, you know, somebody in the culture's house, and they've prepared a beautiful meal for you to honor you, to say, oh, sorry, I'm fasting. I'm not going to eat. It's offensive. It would offend them. They've gone to this trouble. They're honoring you. So the, the holy spiritual thing to do is to sit down and enjoy the food. Okay? So you want to disturb others but not offend others. We have a saying in our community, hospitality trumps fasting. 1 Corinthians 13.3 is helpful in this respect. Paul writes, If I give all that I possess to the poor, that's almsgiving, and give over my body to hardship, fasting would fit under that, that I may boast, well, there's the pride piece of it, but do not have love, I gain nothing. So there's the loss of the reward. So I love 1 Corinthians 13, and this is very helpful. So those are some benefits and dangers of fasting. Hopefully that's helpful for you as you consider this 21-day fast. I'll end with a quick story and then ask Angelina to come up and share. So uh, in our family, oftentimes for Advent, we fast from sweets. So it's just a way of preparing for Christmas, but also you know, preparing for the second coming, asking God to come, Jesus to come again. So one, one day we were sitting around in Advent, we were sitting around the table and my children were with me and one of them has decided to write a research paper on donuts for school. I'm like, this is a bad idea during a fast. And he's talking about it at the table. And my youngest son, John Patrick, who was five at the time, said, oh, donuts. I love donuts. I want a donut. Why can't I have a donut? And I thought, this is a teachable moment. So I said to John Patrick, you really want that donut, right? He said, yes, I really want the donut. He said, but we're not going to eat the donut because we really want Jesus inside of us more than we want the donut. He thought a minute and looked at me and said, Jesus inside me wants a donut. <laughs> and he got the donut. <laughs> Angelina, come up and please share with us. Do you, yeah, you hear me now. <laughs> Thank you for the story. About the point um, with disturbing others, I experienced also something, a different side of it. So, like you can hear, I come not from America, I'm from Germany. And one time I visited a friend in England, and so we did, we did some street evangelism on the streets, and yeah, we had some nice talks and it was great, but nothing spe special. But then suddenly, the whole atmosphere on this place changed and I, was, I could feel it in my body. And I was like, what's happening here? And then I saw a group coming and it was a group of some kind of religious, yeah, Buddhist group. And they were dancing and they did some kind of performance. And honestly, it was so powerful. It was not good, it was negative, but there was a power behind. I could basically physically feel it. And later I talked with some of them and they told me 
yeah, when they go on the streets and do some kind of performance, they prepare weeks before and they fast before they go to the city and do something like this. And then I was disturbed because I thought, oh man, these people know the power of fasting and we as Christians, like I, <laughs> I don't appreciate it so much, you know. It's something God has given us, a spiritual weapon, a power, and others use it and have an effect. They had more effect on the streets than we. <laughs> and this was a big lesson. So, but today I want to share with you some a little different, I think Thomas gave you a really good uh, introduction. And I want to share a different side of fasting. Because I don't know from what kind of background you come. But I can imagine that some of you really are here because they love Jesus and really want to please him with all your heart. Is it someone of you? Yes. <laughs> Good. I'm speaking to the right crowd. Yeah, I grew up also in a church. I went always to, um, to church and I really tried my best to be a good Christian. I read my Bible. I prayed. I later also went to the Bible school and studied theology. Then I went to another mission school and basically I ended up as a missionary here in Texas and I'm really really happy about it but through my years with God I often realized that sometimes my my striving and trying so good to please God can also become a burden <laughs> and in that time when I heard things about fasting and was like yes I need to fast honestly I tried that and I failed so many times and sometimes I started and it felt like even heavy. I, it was like, okay, on my list to do something for God, fasting is another point. I will carry it. <laughs> I will carry it like I do this and do this and it's a next point on my checklist because I know God wants it from me. And I don't know if you have ever felt like that, but I have. And... It took me really a long time to understand that this is not the fast God has chosen. And so I want to go together with you today in Isaiah 58. So in the beginning of the chapter, there is, um, God is speaking about people who fast, <laughs> um, his people, but they, there are scriptures like... Um, God says, they seek me daily, they ask of me the ordinances of their God. They ask, why have we fasted and you have not seen it? Why have we afflicted our souls and you take no notice? And God says, you fast for strife and deb debate. And honestly, <laughs> I imagine this were really good Jewish people. They tried to fulfill the law, they tried to please God. They did everything what was required on the list to check it. Yes, fasting. And we really hope that God sees us now. I'm fasting and I'm suffering. And I hope, God, you see it. And you have to answer to all my prayers now. And often I was in that category. But what is really fascinating to me, then God says in verse 6, I think it's up, is this not the fast that I have chosen? Okay. 
he speaks about what is not fasting, and then suddenly he says to lose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and that you break every yoke. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and that you bring to your house the poor who are cast out? When you see the naked, that you cover him and not hide yourself from your own flesh. Then your light shall break forth like the morning. Your healing shall spring forth speedily and your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call, and the Lord will answer. You shall cry, and he will say, Here I am. If you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger and speaking wickedness, if you extend your soul to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted soul, then your light shall dawn in the darkness And your darkness shall be as the noonday. The Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your soul in drought and strengthen your bones. You shall be like a watered garden and like a spring of water, whose waters do not fail. Those from among you shall build the old waste places. You shall rise up the foundations of many generations and you shall be called the repair of the breach, the restorer of streets to dwell in. Wow, <laughs> what a scripture, right? And what promises from God. But when I read this scripture already years before, honestly, I never really understood the context. <laughs> Why fasting? And suddenly something totally different, like loosen the bonds of wickedness, undo heavy burdens, and honestly, and close the naked, I found it great, <laughs> but honestly, I never really understood the context of this. And isn't it interesting that most of these points, five of these aspects he describes what we should do, have something to do with freedom. To loosen the bonds of wickedness, undo heavy burdens, let the oppressed go free, break every yoke, and then later take away the yoke from your midst. Five times it has something to do with freedom and the other things I would call something with mercy ministries like care for the poor, close them, feed them, extend your soul to them, care for the broken and needy. And yeah, isn't it interesting that this is in context with fasting? And this reminds me of a scripture where Jesus also uh, repeats, I think, two times in Matthew I desire mercy and not sacrifice. And he's not a God who wants only your sacrifice and you're trying hard and you are giving your best to please God. No, through the whole Bible, he is a God who wants relationship, who wants to be close to you, and he wants that you receive his mercy and can give it to others, that you receive freedom and can give it to others. Because if you just read here number six or seven, uh, verse six and seven, what you have to do, you cannot do it on your own strength. You cannot bring freedom to someone. You first need to receive it from God for yourself. Only when you have received his love and his mercy, 
you have tasted his goodness, his love, then you can extend your soul to the others who are needy of his love and his mercy. And only when you have experienced that you got free, that yokes broke off your shoulders, you can bring freedom to others. And this is what God, God's heart is. He is not a God who just gives us a list of rules and puts some points in it. No, he wants that we are one with him and that our life is one with him, every aspect of it. And it's not about just doing things, but out of love and intimacy of knowing him, of tasting him, giving it to the others. And this, I believe, is like the point of fasting. Yeah. And I have experienced it myself last year. And like I said, I'm a missionary here in Texas, you know, and I've done a lot of good work. You know, we went out to the street to evangelize, did discipleship schools and invested into people and different, different things. But when I, I was in summer last year and I went for vacation to, yeah, home to Germany. It was the first time after three years. And when I arrived in Germany, I really realized that I was really, really tired. My heart was really tired. We had experienced some disappointments before and several things were really heavy on my heart and probably I did just too much and rested not enough and realized I was really tired. And when I realized that, I thought, oh man, God, what did I miss? Why I am so heavy laden? <laughs> Why I feel so heavy, so burdened? And honestly, I could even feel on my shoulder if there would be like a yoke I would carry. And then when I was in Germany, I read all the time the scripture and you know it all in Matthew 11. It says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And I was reading that and honestly saying to God, God, I believe your word is true, but I'm not experiencing it right now. <laughs> Why is this burden hard? You say your burden is light. <laughs> Some, there's a big difference. And I guess I'm wrong, but help me. And so I had then the privilege to go to our base in Austria. And they had experienced the Holy Spirit in a very, very strong way. And I had the opportunity to be there and just be in the prayer house. So I had no responsibilities, no task. And what I did was just, I was laying in the prayer house, day by day, sometimes also the night, and I was just before God. Often I didn't even pray. <laughs> I was just before him because I knew, God, I need a deep, deep touch from you in my heart. These yokes, I cannot break at my own, but you need to come. And, you know, I experienced that. It um, was just after some time, I could feel that this heaviness went away, I felt lighter again, some people prayed for me and I experienced also really breakthrough in my heart 
and all heaviness left me and joy came into my heart and I really understood, wow, God wants to give us rest, peace. It's exactly like the scripture. Come to me, all you who, are, who labor and are heavy laden. And it's not just about some people on the streets who are not saved. <laughs> he speaks to Christians who try to follow him. But sometimes they try so hard or life comes with all things and they are heavy laden. And he, say, he says, come again to me, refocus, refocus. What is also one point of fasting? Refocus to me, lock your eyes with me because I am not this harsh guy who puts more things on top of you just to crush you or something. <laughs> I'm not this harsh master. I want to encounter you as your bridegroom, as your beloved. Come to me. I will give you rest for your soul. And some words he spoke to me in that time when I was in Vienna. Uh, I wrote it down and I want to read it to you because it was ex like I heard it from God. He said, Angelina, you are not my servant. You don't have to work for me. When you work for me, you get tired. You do things I have never asked you to do. You work and you don't come forward. You will come under yokes I never intended you to carry. A heavy yoke of perfection, of doing everything right. The heavy yoke of religion, trying hard to fulfill something, to please me or to be a good child or to be a fruitful worker. And it was, then he spoke some other things, but this described how I felt and I, how I tried to fulfill things in my own strength. And he says, no, refocus, come to me. I will first break these yokes off of you. I will first bring freedom in your own soul so that you can bring freedom to others. I want that you experience again this grace and mercy very, very fresh so that when you see other people who are maybe really in trouble, you can extend this mercy, grace and love to them. It's all about receiving and giving and I believe this is the same what he also wants today for you. Fasting shall not be like something heavy, but um, something what draws you closer to God. And in Isaiah 58, we also saw the promises. Some of them in verse uh, 11 are, the Lord will guide you continually. I mean, not just an angel or a spiritual leader. The Lord himself will guide you. Is there anything better? I mean, then you cannot get lost. <laughs> God knows the way, so <laughs> you are on a good track if he guides you. He will satisfy your soul in drought. Can you imagine that? It, that? it means that whatever kind of circumstances around you, if Austin has water or not, if there is a drought or if a flood, your soul is anchored and satisfied in him because it, it Will be um, the source is something different than the circumstances. And this is a promise. He will strengthen your bones. It means really the, the frame of your being. <laughs> like the bones are this frame. Yeah, he will strengthen you. He will also give you healing. 
it says, your healing will go forth speedily. I believe it's also physically and emotional healing in all areas. You shall be like a watered garden. I mean, the Bible often speaks about our heart as a garden, a watered garden, blooming, flourishing, beautiful. This is a picture also of your soul, of your being, blooming because Jesus is in you, not dry but watered. And then like a spring of water, both waters do not fail. And this speaks obviously about the Holy Spirit who is in you and he is a spring of water who flows to others. You will have enough water <laughs> and it will be enough to feed others. You can, satisfy, uh, you can extend your soul, the, you can give your bread to the others. What speaks also about Jesus, bread in you, you can give to others and they will be fed. In the kingdom of God, there is always more than enough. And when we have some kind of lack, we can ask in faith and receive. And I don't know what is moving you today, in what kind of aspect you find yourself, if you feel like, yes, God, there are so many things which are burdening me. I need to have these yokes broken over my life. I need to experience freedom first for myself so that I can give freedom to others, that I can go this way. Or you need to uh, experience the mercy and the love of God in a fresh way. I can just tell you, it is there for you. You are here today and it is there for you. And maybe something else. I don't know, but the Holy Spirit knows. And I just wanted to, yeah, um, invite you. I want to pray for you. And you can just maybe close your eyes if you want and feel comfortable. You can just open your arms or hands. And just, I believe the Holy Spirit wants to, yeah, talk to you. And you can just receive him. God, I thank you so much, God, that you are the one who breaks every yoke. You are the one who lifts every burden. You are the deliverer, Jesus. And wherever people are here today and they need freedom for their soul, they need freedom from yokes, from thoughts, from lies, from every stronghold what is attacking them, I speak freedom right now freedom into their soul, and I ask you, Holy Spirit, that you touch them, that you touch them with your love, with your mercy. I thank you that you are the same and that you have only good thoughts over them. And I release your thoughts of love, of a good future, of good plans, of hope. I speak hope into every hopeless situation. I speak really hope wherever your thoughts are discouraged, I speak new strength and new hope into you. And I pray that this fast, also in the next few weeks, that it will be a fast what draw, draws you, them closer to you. I ask you, Holy Spirit, for this new love, for this new refreshed um, longing for you. Because this is your desire, God. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are here. Thank you for listening to the Midtown Church Sermon Podcast. 
We invite you to practice the way of Jesus in Austin with us, because as we become more like Jesus, Austin will become more like heaven. Thank you.